0: Football Friday presented by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. The Utes getting ready to play Washington State Pac-12 Conference opener for the Utes. For Washington State, they lost to USC last week. Questions, PK. Questions everywhere. So your defense going to hold up? There was improvement from game two to three there, but we haven't talked about it because we've been talking about the quarterback and the offense. I don't think the defense has played poorly yet. Even though they got pushed around in the second half by their coach's own admonition? Y- inside they did, sure, yeah. I but, didn't think they were bad in the first half at BYU. I thought they were actually very good in the first quarter at BYU. Those two turnovers in the short fields, they handled that well. I mean,
1: it didn't get out of hand.
0: No. But they didn't get the stops they needed in the second half. Well, yeah, they needed tons of stops because the offense wasn't doing much. Yeah. All right, it's time to bring in Alex Brink, Washington State football radio analyst. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line, the best of state award winner, Smart Rain, is having an end of season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchase. The offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit smartrain.net to schedule a demo today. Alex, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Good. Depending on which of the local college football teams we talk about, there are varying levels of confidence. And I suspect when we talk about Washington State football, you would say the same thing, varying levels of confidence. Times they look good, times when they don't look good at all.
2: Yeah, I think that's a uh, fair assessment. Um, You know, in all honesty, the – I think week one, obviously against Utah State, which I'm sure you guys followed, was you know was a pretty big wake up call in the end. In the end, for for Washington State, you, know, you get kind of a a game in week two against Portland State that you're able to get your feet back underneath you, yeah, and, and the first half against USC was about as good as it, it could have been. I mean, probably the best half of football that we've seen from uh, Nick Rolovich's team um, over the last couple of years. And then it all just fell apart, really, kind of heading into, I guess, the last possession for USC heading into half. And then and then the whole second half, Washington State really, really struggled. Gave up 45 points unanswered, couldn't score, couldn't stop them. And now you're kind of left with the same feeling, if not worse, than, than that week one loss to Utah State.
1: So what's going to happen at quarterback...
2: Hard to say. I mean, Jaden Delora, uh, who was the backup going into the season behind Jared Garantano, who was the uh, University of Tennessee grad transfer um, and took over for Garantano when he got hurt in week one, uh, he got nicked up against USC, came out of half with a knee brace on. We're not really sure, honestly, what uh, what the injury was. Uh, Coach Rovich has said this week that he's, he's doubtful that Delora will be able to go um, and has said that two guys, Garantano coming back off injury, and then uh, obviously former Utah high school superstar Cameron Cooper will be taking reps uh, the bulk of this week. So it's going to be interesting because Cooper was kind of thought to be the third guy throughout, you know, as camp ended, but then he was not the guy to come off the bench when Delora got hurt. That was a walk on Victor Gabales, and and Gabales struggled um, and Kamen did pretty well when he got his chance versus USC. So it kind of sounds like uh, uh, between Garantano and Cooper, those two guys are getting ready to go. But, again, you never know. We'll have to see.
0: So that would suggest that Washington State needs to lean on the run game, and Max Borey did not do much against Utah State, and then he broke a really big run that was important in the flow of that game. Uh, can they they count on him? He he kind of got taken out of the SC game just by the, the score. He ended up with 13 carries, which... I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but shouldn't he be like a 20, maybe 25 carry guy? Maybe 25 is too much, but 20 anyway?
2: Oh, I think you're 100% right. And I honestly think that's been a huge issue for Washington State through these three games is Max Borgie not touching the ball enough. Um, Even against USC, I think he got 10 touches in the first half and only three in the second. And, And that score, I mean, there was a time where... You're within a touchdown or even two, and you can lean on a guy like Max Borgie because you alluded to against Utah State. He's kind of a big hitter, right? I mean, he'll rip off a 67-yard run if you give him enough touches at some point. I think for Washington State to be successful, they have to lean on Max Borgie and Dion McIntosh. So far through this year, they haven't committed to it. you know. And I think the run and shoot under Nick Rolovich and O.C. Brian Smith, they want to have balance, but it obviously leans towards being more pass-heavy uh, in this scenario, I just don't think you have the horses uh, to be able to throw the football consistently, both quarterback-wise and then you know receiver-wise, they're pretty thin on the outside also. So if you got a guy like Max Borgie, you know, he's got to touch the ball, and Dion McIntosh is a close second as far as uh, skill level. So those two guys, I think if the backs for Washington State have 30-plus touches, carries, or catches, uh, I think Washington State can win this football game.
1: Yeah, and you look at it, too. The Utes have suffered a major injury up front defensively, and uh, they had the Bell with San Diego State. They're a run offense, and he had some success. BYU Algier was just, I think, under 100. So they've been – they didn't have a big uh, per carry, but anyway, they've been able to move the ball against them on the ground, which is somewhat of a surprise. So – I would think that they would come out and run it, uh, Washington State. But I don't know about Rolovich, though. Is it, would he make the commitment that he needs to make to be able to do that?
2: Well, so far, again, through three games this year, you haven't really seen it. Last year, you know, they came out in Week One against Oregon State and. Dion McIntosh rushed for almost 150 yards. He rushed for almost 100 yards against Oregon. They were, you know, they were pretty committed to it against Utah again in 2020 until Utah uh, really blew the doors off in the second half. But so I think it is in his DNA to do it. I just I'm not honestly sure why it hasn't happened this year. And to be fair, you know, Rolo's not necessarily calling the plays. Brian Smith is, but the the I think for them to be successful, as you alluded to, you know, this Utah defense is having its struggles right now um, and is not nearly the unit we have seen it be in, pa- in the past years. And so for Washington State, they have to control the football. And, and you know, whether the Utah offense has caught its stride under Cam Rising or not, you know, uh, we'll see, but I think Washington State has to have more of a ball control mentality than trying to throw it all over the yard.
0: So USC obviously presents problems, but uh, Utah doesn't have London at wide receiver. So, you know, there's that. But they do have Kincaid and Keithy at tight end, and those guys can make plays. Can the Washington State defense match up with those guys and handle tight ends?
2: It's a good question. You know, Washington State's defense, in all honesty – Throughout this year, you know, I feel like they've played pretty well. Against Utah State, they played really well. and just got kind of worn down at the end by tempo, right? And that's something we've seen, I think we'll see, from Utah State throughout this season, them due to teams. But, um, you know, they and against USC, again, they played pretty well other than once they started chucking the ball up to Drake London, who's a tough matchup for anybody. Um, and so, you know, I think what Utah's going to look at is where USC had some success is both with Drake London and a couple other wide receivers, they ran them kind of down the middle of the field and created matchups on their on Washington State's linebackers, um, and that would be where Team Tate and Kiki fit in, obviously, uh, when you're watching tape. And so, I think Washington Washington State will address that issue because so, it was so glaring against USC, but it does lend you to believe that you know those tight ends can be tough matchups for Washington State's linebackers who are veterans and talented players, but physically they're not in the same category as, as those two tight ends, in my opinion. So I think that's a place for you know Utah to be able to exploit Washington State. But I will say that the safety position and kind of the nickel position for Washington State is a strength. Armani Marsh at the nickel spot is a really smart, savvy player, veteran. Um, uh, Daniel Isom at the safety position is the same, same spot. So if they get those guys involved, I think that'll help. But then of course once you do that it opens up opportunities on for guys on the outside potentially and you know, that will be where Utah will have to prove if they have the guys, you know, to take advantage.
1: I'm interested to see what Utah can do in the run game against the Cougars because you look at SC with Graham Harrell. They're a throw-first offense. They bring in Dart off the bench, and he's throwing the ball like crazy, and he's got an old-world receiver. We already talked about him with London. So it made sense to do that, but that's not who the Utes are, and they're more, you know, want to run the ball and then use that to set up with the pass and all that stuff. So you didn't get a really good feel Defensively, uh, on what Washington State would do against a run team, how do you think they would fare against the Utes who usually want to run the ball?
2: I think Washington State in the front seven will be pretty stout. You know, because USC, although Graham's been a, you know, it, it is a version of the air raid. Yeah, it, the You know, USC being kind of running back U has forced him to try and run the football. And so he tried. He tried to run the football with, you know, Malapai and and some of those guys. I mean, they they have good backs. And Washington State really shut it down. Um, And so uh, even against Utah State, you know, they got a few chunk plays. But for for the most part, I think the front seven for Washington State is strong against the run. And uh, like you're saying, if, you know, if Utah is going to commit to that and Washington State can stop it well now it, it limits that playbook a little bit for Andy Ludwig so I, I'm we're going to be really intrigued the one thing that I know coach Ludwig does really well is he's going to scheme some things up that's going to put pressure on Washington State moving sideline to sideline and then trying to hit then trying to hit things downhill um, so we'll see because against Utah State who gets people spread out and go sideline to sideline Washington State got worn out so I'll be interested to see if coach Ludwig in his own system tries to do something similar
0: it doesn't get that much run because, well, quarterback, offensive line, running back, defensive line, you know, the Utes have had issues in different spots. But the Utes' special teams, which used to be very good, have not been good. And Kyle has addressed it. Two kickoff returns for touchdowns, a deflected punt. Uh, they've missed extra points and field goals. And we're only three games in. That's a pretty long list. How is Wazoo in the special teams, and can they take advantage of the Utes there?
2: You know they they're good. Uh, Terrell Harris, uh, it, the kick returner, is one of the best in the country. I mean, he's been uh, around for years. He's, he's got a great kickoff return average. Has has returned one in his career for a touchdown and gotten close a couple other times. So he'll put pressure for sure on that kick, kickoff unit uh, for Utah. Washington State replaced uh, a punt their punter and kicker from last year were both great players um, so far. Punting wise it's been consistent, nothing spectacular, solid. Um and in the kicking game, again, pretty consistent. Missed a couple uh missed a field goal early in the year against Utah State, but otherwise been pretty solid. And so I think Washington State's solid, no glaring issues. You know, one of the things you'll find with stuff teams is you never really know you have a problem until <laughs> until it happens, right? I think that's where Coach Whittingham is kinda of probably looking, you know, shaking his head a little bit because of how solid they have been and then you know, guys, whether it's schematically or effort-wise, or just or just flat out, players not making plays, uh, all of a sudden things start popping up, and you got to you got to address them.
1: How fun is it going to be to play a day game not in the rain?
2: Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a. I mean, it's going to be probably a change for these <laughs> these kids a little bit, right? It's pretty early. Uh, you know, the weather was not good in in Pullman last week. Um, and then the late kick versus Utah State, so I think in the end it's going to be a nice change. I know for me personally, it's a makes for a little bit easier travel than the late kick.
0: I know from the youth's perspective, if they lose this in a one and three, I mean, all the complaining and uh, and pain and gnashing of teeth we've heard, it's it's going to double down and triple down. Is it going to feel the same way if Washington State loses this?
2: Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, there's I mean, there's obviously a lot of other outside noise, right? That the program's experiencing around Nick Rolovich, so you start adding on-field pressure (laughs) onto that, uh, that snowballs real quick. And so um, I think right now you look at it and you say, hey, you lost a tough one to to Utah State kind of late is what it is. Utah State's clearly a much better team than they were in 2020. Uh, You beat up on Portland State, who you're supposed to beat up on. You lose to USC, who probably going into the year, most people expected you to lose to USC, um, even though you had a good half of football against them. You know, so beating Utah on the road writes right some of those wrongs kind of get you back in in the right spot um, but losing to Utah now all of a sudden those things really start It start you start wondering kind of how far it slides if you lose to Utah at this point in the season
0: Well Alex we appreciate a few minutes you enjoy the 80 degree temperatures and the sunshine because sure. who knows when and you'll get you those wait. two things again <laughs>
2: yeah, Absolutely I appreciate it thanks guys
0: Alex Brink Washington State football radio analyst join us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone Pretty early in the year for high stakes, PK, but neither team wants any part of one and three.
1: I think every game is high stakes, though. Um, Yeah, you're right, but you can go down every single conference game coming up. It's just gigantic. That's the whole nature of conference games. And they... So much right now, early in the season, obviously every earlier in the season, you want to get off to that good start in conference. You want to get some momentum. Now it's more of a dire situation for Utah, something they literally haven't been in in many, many years. And now they find themselves in this. And it's just one victory can change so much. I think they're going to get it. And the mood in the program Saturday afternoon around 4 o'clock is just going to be
0: so much better. So much better. Yeah, You just need to walk off the field with a win. It just feels different. They don't play that many games. That's why the games are high stakes. They mm-hmm. need that vibe. They need to go into their new locker room and sing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Get all that yeah, energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They haven't sung now in a while. And then, then we'll hear about the bye week comes at the perfect time, and they got two weeks to get ready for USC, which I'm going to be sitting here saying what a huge game it is again. To your point of the conference games, they're usually huge games. For one reason or another, you can draw something out of it.
1: Yeah, and they'll be 1-0. All they're all going to be talking about is 1-0. They're not going to be talking about 1-0. <laughs> How to talk many times about. will Kyle say that? Yeah, they're, yeah. that's what they're going to talk about. They're going to spin it and try to get everybody that's thinking it in that direction and that mindset, and they're going to be 1-0. and o. We're 1-0. We're 1-0. Yeah, absolutely. That's precisely what they're going to say, and they're going to say it repeatedly. And I don't have any problem with them saying it. And then they're going to regroup for a week, and Kyle's going to say, well, if you add it up, we started in August, and here we are at the end of our, uh, September. So it's like, <laughs> you know, to just play all these mind games. Like Whatever, whenever the the buy is the buy. Whenever the buy is, that's when it is. So, what? Just make the best of it. Don't don't try to sell me something. It doesn't need to be sold. That's I, I hate when people try to sell me something that doesn't need to be sold. Because
0: if it's right, it speaks for itself. It doesn't need to be sold. DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven at twelve eighty. The Zone, Lincoln Kennedy, Raider Radio Analyst. Pac-12 network analyst. He'll be on the Ute game this week. He's on the Colorado game last week. And of course, he's next to Brent Musburger when Brent is screaming jackpot, baby! He'll join us. Lincoln Kennedy, 905. Half an hour away, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.